Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, as you plan your end-of-the-year holidays, your vacations, you might wonder what exactly you ought to be looking out for because a lot has changed in the world of travel and tourism in the last year, especially since countries opened up. With COVID-19 restrictions loosening globally, many industry experts predict that travel will return to pre-pandemic levels in the coming year. People taking ambitious trips after more than two years of being stuck at home. So what was the last ambitious trip you took? I haven't at all. I've been too busy working. But I hope to take a big ambitious one next year. So these studies that we're going to be talking about today will certainly help inform some of my decisions and hopefully yours as well. In a BBC study into the travel consumer's mindset, it found that four in five Europeans who plan to visit the APAC region plan to do so within the next six months. So good for us. What else can we glean from research in terms of future travel and what are travellers looking for? If you have some thoughts on what you are looking for, well, we want to hear from you as well. Of course, you can text us anytime, 8855-0893. What would you like travel agencies, hotels, airlines to do to make your experience better? We're talking today with Nicola Elliott, Vice President of BBC StoryWorks. It's the in-house branded content production arm of BBC Studios. And they've been working with reputable travel brands to find out what the current wave of travellers are looking for. Also joining us today, Tourism Tasmania's CEO, John Fitzgerald. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. Hi, Bharati. Now, with you, Bharati. Hello, guys. Now, first of all, Nicola, let's start with you. In terms of the travel trends that you've observed in the last year or so as countries were opening up, what stands out for you? Yeah, so what we're really seeing um, is that a huge volume of travelers, over 90% of the audience that we've spoken to, are really looking to have unique culture and heritage in their toast, in their chosen destination. So really looking to go deeper beyond the kind of traditional, I want to go to a beach um, or I want to have a city experience, to have deeper connections with the people and the place that they go to. Um, and then I think a second um, point that really came out of our research is that over 70% of travelers are really becoming conscious of minimizing their impact on the local environment. So as they make those connections, being really conscious of how they do so and what they leave behind. Do we know why they are starting to think this way now? I think it's just a reflection of, you know, everything we've experienced during COVID, um, those lack of connections and um, a general kind of rise in mindset around sustainability as well and sort of global impact um, and how we leave our mark on the world. People are really looking to have deeper experiences, make those meaningful connections and make sure that what they're doing sort of doesn't um, contribute negatively to the environment. And obviously travel in and of itself does have a carbon footprint, but thinking about it in a way that you can minimize that carbon footprint, perhaps and also really look after the places um, that you go. Um, I think with the rise in global tourism, generally we've seen a lot of um, places like Cebu, for example, shutting down for a while to be able to kind of regenerate
rate. Um, and I think, you know, also in and of itself, COVID allowed that to happen. And people are looking at these beautiful places that have been allowed to regenerate and thinking about, you know, how they can keep them um, sustainably and beautiful for next for the next generation. John, what are your thoughts on some of the trends that Nicola has highlighted? Yeah, Baraki, I mean, our research is showing pretty much the same thing. I think Nicola is, is highlighting what's happened through COVID. People cared about this stuff pre-COVID, but now because of that disconnect that we've experienced through COVID, people have a heightened awareness of doing the right thing. We're certainly seeing that come through our research. And from a Tasmanian perspective, we have so many attributes that we think meet the the customer's evolving needs. So we feel really well placed in this new emerging consciousness in the global marketplace. How are you minimising carbon footprints along the travel route? Here is this beautiful, unique island at the base of Australia. You know, our 40% of our island is protected area. So automatically we have a big nature experience, which is taking carbon out of the atmosphere. Mm. Our power is 100% renewable. We are already a carbon neutral destination. So um, our, our forebears saw the vision to put hydropower into Tasmania more than 50 years ago. And now, of course, we've got the benefit of that where we are 100% carbon neutral. So really, um, those people that are traveling to Tasmania are having, a, you know, they're certainly not using power. And we're working with our industry now to lower the carbon emissions at the product level as well. But Overall, we're 100% renewable energy. Mm. Give me an an example of how you're working with your partners to reduce product emissions as well. Basically, we've got, we're employing carbon accountants to work with our operators at that product level to really assess what is the, what are the carbon emissions of their businesses and what are the levers they have to reduce that. So we're piloting a program at the moment, which will roll out right across the industry to look at how can we at the business level uh, reduce those carbon emissions. Obviously, with electric vehicles coming on board, that's also happening a lot in Australia now. But it's really at that business level. What can each business do to get their carbon emissions down and produce a truly sustainable product for the market? Nicola, any suggestions or observations about how other travel operators might be doing this in other countries? I mean, Tasmania already has a lot of things going for it when it comes to environmentalism and, of course, when it comes to culture. But what about in countries where all of these things weren't really present before the pandemic? How are they adapting? Yeah, so I think um, it's really being done um, at a government level, that kind of global consciousness um, and sort of carbon zero targets have to be dealt with and um, from a government level where they provide frameworks for their operators to be able to make real change at a ground level. Um, And also it's just not about like repackaging what's there because I think consumers are very, very savvy um, and therefore authenticity is really important. So it's really going down to that ground level, looking at how um, they sustain their culture and they sustain their environmental footprint um, on an everyday basis and kind of living that truth before they can really bring out messaging around it. Let's talk a little bit more about messaging. And you mentioned authenticity, which is extremely important. And I believe that consumers can tell when you're not being authentic. They can smell it a mile away. So what are some lessons that operators and in fact, the tourism and travel industry as a whole can learn uh, in order to brand themselves better and more authentically? 
I think they definitely need to be, um, you know, brave about it. And I think it's about not about trying to cover over or smooth over the existing problems. It's about really bringing them up to the forefront, about standing up and saying, you know, these are the issues. Here's how we're trying to deal with them. And again, going back to having a real and authentic framework for how they're actually going to do that, supporting their businesses in market and, you know, speaking up about um, the issues that they have. And, you know, so it's really about living that, um, living that truth rather than just talking about it. Now, it hasn't been all peachy, right, since countries opened up. I mean, we've seen travel delays and disruptions. There are still reports, for example, of possible disruptions in the UK due to strikes. So considering these challenges, what exactly should travellers be bracing themselves for? What exactly should players in the travel and tourism industry be doing right now to ensure a faster recovery? Nicola, perhaps you could jump in here as well. Um, I have to say I'm not an expert on um, how um, travel industries can help, um, you know, brace these things. But I think, again, it's really about getting out in front of messaging. Um, I think there's a certain expectation from travelers that, you know, they're so excited to go out there again. And, you know, things are definitely recovering and improving from being not able to travel. But they're looking for information. They're looking for communication. Um, I think there's a lot of understanding about um, how these things can happen. I saw myself in Europe, you know, lots of people lost bag lots of people had delays they were so happy to be out there and it's really Mm -hmm. about being willing to make up for these things being willing to communicate being willing to make good um, and also the travel industry being more flexible so things like um, waiving change fees you know coming in with replacement flights and things that you know we were very difficult to actually happen before covid which are becoming more prevalent in the industry Um, but i'm sure john um, can probably give a more specific Yeah, Yeah, John, your thoughts on this, the manpower issues, the various other challenges that we've seen as well, and uh, how exactly you might be resolving this in your market? Yeah, I think Nicola, I mean, Nicola summed it up pretty well, really. It's just having the flexibility to deal with the customers. I think most of us are happy to be back traveling again. And there is a degree of flexibility in the market. People know that there's disruptions through the airline network and the fact that our workforce, we've suffered with our workforce through COVID. But I think at the end of the day, if the operators are walking the talk at the at the product level, then I think the consumers are so eager to be out there. They're so eager to be connecting with people in their home communities, having fantastic experiences. I think if we do that really well and we stay connected to the consumer, then I think over time, all of these things will play out and they will fix themselves up over time. But I think at the end of the day, you've got to have a legitimate uh, grounded experience. And that's what we've got in Tassie. I can tell you it's really resonating with visitors both in Australia and from overseas. So just be the best you can be at delivering the experience. And I think the customers are really, you know, really lapping that up at the moment. Mm. What about the costs of travel? Because I know a lot of people are clearly willing to pay more for airline tickets and accommodation. But then there might be a whole other group who are just waiting and I think I belong to that group waiting for the prices to just become a little more reasonable I, I gotta say we've never seen the sort of yields that we're seeing at the moment mm-hmm. um, we are back to seeing expenditure um, that is exceeding 2019 levels with only around 75% of the numbers of people we're already over a hundred percent of the expenditure including seeing you know great visitation out of the Singapore market and perhaps a little bit less from Europe and some from the US at this stage. But there is no doubt that people have a hunger for travel. 
there is a lot of savings in, in people's bank accounts. Even though COVID was a really disruptive thing in the world, some people actually did better financially out of COVID. And I think we're seeing some of that expenditure now filter in for people who just want to get out, have the experience, reconnect with people on the ground. And, and that's really what's resonating. Nicola, any thoughts on uh, what some of the more popular destinations are? Um, you know, I, I think in, in Asia, again, it's, it's those World Heritage sites have been a big trend, and mm-hmm. both our editorial and in terms of our studies. So again, it kind of goes back to that cultural experience, that wanting to experience something unique. People have been, um, you know, there was a lot of domestic tourism going on during COVID, but now they're looking to experience something that's really totally different um, from, you know, what they experience at home, and also something that, um, you know, is really culturally significant, has a big impact on the world, and might um, give them a different point of view. Right. And we're definitely seeing that across our editorial as well. So the type of stories that are really um, inspiring people to go and travel and the stories that people want to read about um, is sort of a very cultural experience. So a new point of view from a different people, of a different way of life, um, you know, or something, a, a truly monumental experience that it has a lot of history and culture built into it. If we're going to talk about recovery, uh, we have to consider that not all countries have fully opened up. For instance, China, it hasn't fully opened up and that's affecting tourism in other nations because many nations were heavily reliant on tourists from China before the pandemic. So at the end of the day, how long do you think it would take for recovery to truly happen and to gain some equilibrium across the world? Nicola? Yes, so I mean, unfortunately, the predicting geopolitics is a bit beyond me, but um, I do think that, you know, obviously the, the Chinese sort of um, tourists are a huge portion of what we've seen in Asia, but I do think we're seeing a lot more um, tourism um, t- towards Asia coming out from Europe. Um, those stats that you mentioned right at the beginning of the interview show that there's huge demand for that, uh, particularly across Southeast Asia as well. So I think, you know, we're really kind of seeing a lot of demand. And if, um, as you say, if uh, flight prices or anything to go by that that's continuing to grow um, and surge um, and I definitely think um, you know in Singapore here we're definitely feeling the impact of it and it's never been busier I can't even get a dinner booking on a mm. weeknight so <laughs> that's right we're definitely yeah we're definitely feeling it and I think that will just continue to grow all right and finally John any trends that players in the industry should be watching out for and even consumers should be watching out for? Listen, I think um, the growing consciousness will only continue. And what we've committed to in Tasmania is what we're calling a positive impact approach to tourism. So, you know, travel is becoming a more conscious thing and destination marketers really need to have, you know, heed the demands of the visitors. People are not just looking for sustainable environmental practices, but how is tourism integrated with our own people? Mm. How is it integrated with our First Nations people? How are our decisions, our communications, our representation of this place going to maximise positive impacts and minimise negative impacts? I think that's the big trend. People want to know that the people that they're visiting and the marketing that's surrounding that, people genuinely live in the community, care about their communities. I think that's the big move going on, um, which we're really well placed with. I'm, I'm, I've never been more confident about Tasmania's future. The other thing I'd say is for Australia and even New Zealand, we're a long way from most of the world, particularly those customers in Europe and some of which Nicola's research refers to. So um, although you know technology will improve in terms of fuel use and aircraft, et cetera, we need to be 
we need to make sure we are very good on the ground at delivering that experience that is sustainable because people have to fly to get here so we better make sure that the experience we're delivering is really doing the planet and our communities well so that's what we're focused on and As I said, I've never been more confident about the future. Mm. And of course, uh, we do know that the aviation industry is looking at more sustainable fuels as well. And hopefully in a few years, that will become a reality. Thank you so much, John Fitzgerald, CEO of Tourism Tasmania, and Nicola Elliott, VP of BBC StoryWorks. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.